electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber. Pre-market is weak as uh, yields continue to squeeze equities, the two-year above 1%. Earnings pick up some speed this week. Empire Manufacturing goes negative for December. And we got some blockbuster M&A to get to. Our roadmap begins with continued volatility for stocks. Futures falling sharply with tech stocks under pressure and bond yields rise. Goldman with a miss. And we've got Microsoft's mega gaming deal. Wow. It is buying Activision Blizzard. The price tag, all cash, 95 bucks, close to $70 billion. Activision CEO Bobby Kotick and Microsoft's gaming CEO Phil Spencer are going to join us this hour. And airline CEOs issuing a dire warning about 5G, calling an impending, quote, catastrophic aviation crisis. Start out with that deal of the morning, as David said. Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, Jim. Uh, biggest deal for Microsoft ever. It's incredible. Uh, it, it, it's a wake-up call for everybody who's thinking the market's uh, overvalued and people worried about the Fed and there's really no worth right here and it's all about the, all about the idea that we have inflation. No. I mean, this is a solid deal of a subscription business that is really going to help Microsoft. They've been trying very quietly to build this business over the last couple of years. It goes perfectly with Xbox. They needed first-person writing. They needed to have their own proprietary intellectual property. David, you know that the intellectual property buried within Activision Blizzard is probably the best. It's, it's quite significant. Obviously, we also know the company has been uh, having, a, let's call it a series of significant challenges um, over the last year. And, you know, you might expect, well, was this what led to this potential deal? It's not clear that that was the case. Uh, what does appear to be the case, to your point, Jim, is that Satya Nadella saw an opportunity um, and wants to be competitive in the gaming world. Obviously, they have the platform to do that. Um, we saw a deal last week we thought was a fairly important deal, the Zenga deal with Take-Two, but this obviously is oh, so far, is really far and above that. Um, you know, uh, we'll have a chance to talk, uh, obviously, to Mr. Kodak as well and get a little more background to why and why now. Um, but the metaverse has got to play an important role sure. here, one would expect. Look, I, Microsoft has the money to be able to develop it. Uh, Carl, when LinkedIn collapsed, a couple of years, well, a few years ago now, because they missed the quarter. Immediately, immediately Microsoft moved in. Of course, uh, at the same time, little, actually a little ahead, Salesforce moved in. These guys love subscription businesses. And I think it's interesting about LinkedIn as opposed to, say, Twitter. LinkedIn is friendly. It's subscription. When you go to it, everybody's a gentleman. You know, when I look at my Twitter feed, my mention feed, I, I, you know, I, I, I want to put people in jail. I don't want to put anybody in jail for LinkedIn. It's always like, oh, that's a good opportunity. So I think that they're Microsoft's Mr. Clean. 
Um, EA, up 7% pre-market. What, what other names are we going to need to be watching? Well, look, I thought the Take-Two did good with Zynga. I think Zynga was the beginning of what Take-Two needed, which is mobile, because mobile's very exciting. And Strauss Zelenik had been kind of resisting mobile. But, David, I think that the whole idea that you can uh, buy electronic arts today uh, because of this means that you think that Metaverse can do it. Uh, meta platforms, I don't think they can. No. I don't think Activision is going to be there's I don't think there's going to be a problem with the deal, but it is okay. going to be what well, but it's going to be held up, but I'm saying it'll get completed. Right. And you're talking antitrust. And listen, yes. it would not appear on the face of it that this should be viewed as anti-competitive, but given the current situation right. in terms of regulation for antitrust right now, there's no doubt it's going to get a very hard look. Um, and you have to assume that when it's Microsoft, given their overall market power, even though, interestingly, they're sort of at the back of the line of antitrust worries, totally. which is kind of funny given their battles with the U.S. government from 20 plus years ago. But um, you, you've got to know it's going to get a, a long review. They're talking 2023 for close. You care about the breakup fee? Um, yeah, I think you got to care about those kinds of things and what efforts Microsoft will make sure it employs to make sure the deal gets done. I mean, what if they want to bring it to court, even if there's nothing to, to actually base that on. You never know with this current regulatory right. regime what you're going to face. Um, but they seem willing to take that shot. And, and but, uh, to your David, point, it seems as though, given the competitive landscape, particularly in the metaverse, that they feel like, hey, there's nothing we're doing here that's going to be any competitive. Right. Uh, and by the way, we didn't even mention Tencent, which I know is a name that figures very prominently right. in the competitive wow. set Great that point. Mr. Kodak thinks about oftentimes. Well, it is funny, David, when you look at, say, ATT, Sprint, yep. uh, Verizon, uh, when you talk about combinations there, well, that could raise your phone bill. But, David, I mean, what are you going to ra- raise your uh, Call of Duty bill? I mean, yeah. you know, uh, Carl, I, I we have to understand this whole universe. Look, 33 million people game. Gaming is incredible. Uh, but if, we do, if the federal government decides, listen, we're drawing the line, we are not going to let you charge more for... War games. I mean, no, but you know, what? there is there is something here in terms of the metaverse and who's going to really control that. Which, if, oh, do you if want some of these Bobby? people are right about it becoming such an important part of our life or the life of our children, let's say, uh, you do wonder. The, the antitrust laws are not built for this, so right. it's not going to be something that they can actually litigate on. But you do wonder who the real powers are going to be when it comes to this. Well, uh, the, growth, uh, the the development of this thing that we're going to talk about a lot and potentially is going to take up an awful lot of people's time and, and, and money. A, today, Moffat Nathanson has a laundry list of the 72,000 things that need to be done at Disney. Oh, yeah. Although Barclays likes it. I mean, look, I could, if I were representing the uh, Activism Blizzard in front of the FTC, which fortunately I'm not, I would say I've got 20 companies that need to be in this business. 20! I mean, think about it. Do you think that, that, that Viacom, CBS doesn't have to be? Do you think that a parent company this network doesn't have to think about, yeah. about, we're gonna about get, the metaverse? We're going to get Netflix earnings later in the week. Oh, what do they metaverse, think about something right. like this? Meanwhile, uh, Activision was six, it was 100 bucks a year ago. It's come right. down to 65 So are we entering an environment where mega cap with tons of cash can make offers for companies that were essentially back to prior highs? I think so, provided that they don't get this you know, FTC scrutiny, well, I'm a huge believer that there are many, many undervalued companies in this marketplace. And I think that we have a, there's an interesting piece in the journal about the bear market that has kind of begun because of the swings. David, I know companies like, uh, let's say AMD and NVIDIA, okay? Now, they moved up very big. 
Yes. Uh, now they've come down very big. Yes. Uh, or Snowflake, which is down from 400 to 280. It's an upgrade. But if you look at NVIDIA, you know, NVIDIA, you have to write on you know, These programs are written. They're written on hardware. There's one company. Just NVIDIA. No one else has the ability to create product you can write on. Well, I mean, what, the FTC should break up NVIDIA? No, not necessarily. Of course, well, I, I, listen, no. But it's a different world right now for antitrust than we've been dealing with. But really what do you, what do you envision? Uh, I don't know what to envision. And it's, by the way, there's no clear roadmap here for the companies either. And I think that, that makes things a little more fraught. That's all. Uh, not to mention the EU. Let's not forget the EU. EU. Let's not forget the Chinese. You, you shake your head, but the EU. No, I don't. To, I mean, I'm when waiting. When it comes to privacy, when it comes to all of these things, is far ahead of us in regulation. Right. And they're certainly going to have a look at any of these kinds of, at this deal in a significant way. You got to get EU. You got to get China. So look, AMD's islands. How long is that? Like ancient. Yeah. Regulatory is a huge part of any of these mega deals. It's a part of deals that aren't as mega. Um, it doesn't mean they're not going to get it, but it's it's certainly something. Yeah. That, and that's one reason why the stock, by the way, is trading where it is. It's trading at a discount, obviously, the $95 share cash bid because it's going to take quite some time. It, and it, there is some risk. It could hurt the market badly if they. And there doesn't appear to be anybody else here, by the way, I would point out. Right. But uh, it's not clear how much of an auction they did. But, you know, I don't there well, doesn't appear market, to be anybody willing to pay 95. Uh, market could get hurt if they come well, out. If they and, go against this deal. I mean, look, right now, uh, Exxon has an interesting proposal. OK. Now, if you're going to meet the targets, say Exxon is, then you have to sell off the worst parts of your business in terms of its pollution. And I wonder, David, when you look at Exxon, which you know very, very well, I mean, in order to get a deal done, uh, Exxon can't buy anybody, but private equity can buy some of their pieces. Maybe it's a private equity thing. Maybe like the Kohl's deal that we're going to have to get to with Duskin, they want to sell sell to private equity. Private equity seems to be able to get, get away with a lot. Yeah, they do. Uh, by the way, you raise a really important story. This is a very big news morning. I mean, Exxon's 2050 goals. I thought we it was will shocking. hopefully find some time to talk about in terms of decarbonizing, making them clearly a you know more of a play perhaps on the energy transition than just as a oil company. Right. Although it is somewhat ironic when you look at Exxon Mobil share price and the uh, the gains that it's had. It's not because of their announcements on no, climate or on oil. decarbonizing. No. It's purely because of their actual business, which is doing extraordinarily well and going to deliver extraordinary cash flows at Exxon, given the price of oil. Look, and uh, chemicals, by the way, also doing quite well. Yeah, Carl, look, I, the, this Larry Fink letter. All right. Uh, this, I don't want to talk woke versus not woke. I mean, it's my generation who went the hell away. Woke sleep. But the essence of it is, is this stakeholder issue. Over and over again, the stakeholder issue. Throughout this earnings period already, as early as it is, you are seeing one major theme. People can't get people. Now, I've always felt, now we know when we see help wanted sign on a restaurant. Okay, I get that. What do we have? Help wanted signs at Goldman and J.P. Morgan? Hey, help wanted. We need, like, smart people that we can overpay. That was the big story Friday uh, with J.P. Morgan's expense guidance. And now Goldman rolls in with expenses up 23. That's ridiculous. Versus, versus an 8% revenue climb. Uh, a little bit of a miss in the equities business. But, I mean, this is uh, going to lay the roadmap for well, the earnings season, doesn't man, it? Man, I, I read through that and I said, all right, you're making, say, 250000 to start there. Is it that horrible to find people or are there just not enough people who want to go into finance versus going into Facebook and Alphabet? I mean, to me, going in, I think that's an important component of the overall process of the overall what you're facing here. Going in. Yes. Goldman expects you to go in. Facebook doesn't. Okay, I got to tell you, I said something last week 
about how Goldman, you were, you know, we were talking about how if you, go to, if you go to one of these firms, you work for 25 years and then you quit and you're miserable. Versus when you go Google out, well, work there for 25 years, and you, then suddenly you're like saving the world. I, you know, and I got more comments from high-level Goldman people saying, yeah, it's true, I'm miserable. I mean, I don't know. I mean, to me, as Lenin said, my great-great-uncle, if, if, you're, if you're rich, it's your own fault. I mean, these people ought to like go have a better time, for heaven's sake. But they have to overpay to get people to work? I mean, at Goldman? Yeah. Are you kidding? We had Mike Mayo cut JPM on Friday. Oh, that uh, quarter was Wells, a disaster. On the idea that there's no end date to this expense guidance, right? How many years could this go on? We we don't know. And and meanwhile, do you if you're in if you're making a bet on banks, do you have to move to more commercial money center in this case? How the hell does Charlie Sharp get people to work there? That Wells Fargo. The well, contrast between Wells Fargo and everybody and JP, else. Well, everybody I mean, else. Wells Fargo's really. quarter was fantastic. Well, also they have all uh, the. the the narrative, so to speak, is that they have already done the hard things in terms of expense control right. that the others haven't yet, not that they haven't been <gasps> dealing with, but they, but that they the, haven't faced as There's a line in the J.P. Morgan piece, which feels like when Nixon said, you know, they're a pitiful, helpless giant, which is, you give me $2 billion, I'll move to the cloud right now. I mean, well, one of the things that people said over and over again, including IBM, is, is that the banks have not adopted the cloud. Now, I think a lot of people felt that the banks had really good technology. I read that, and I just said, wow, have they skimped on moving? And, and uh, their expenses, terrible. Uh, and then Jamie Dimon's got this kind of like, well, I kind of fintech, whatever. Meanwhile, fintech goes down every day. I don't know. I read the J.P. Morgan piece, and I said, that, that one is... That's got a little bit of a toxicity to it. I felt when I read that, you know, I live two blocks from the Gowanus Canal. And the Gowanus Canal has these, like, bubbles. And it's green. The water's green, but it's not green for St. Patrick's Day, like <laughs> in the movie The Fugitive. No, it's just like, wow. I mean, I you're swimming in there. Better. I thought it was getting a lot better. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Been so, cleaning it's up super fun. As soon as it's super fun. Where are you going with this? <laughs> the corner of J.P. Morgan, for heaven's sake. I'm looking for, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to analogize. I felt like I was swimming in the Gowanus when I read that quarter. Oh, got it. Got it. Especially when Jamie comes in. Okay, so the Q&A at the beginning is all pretty. Jamie was swimming uh, in the Gowanus, too? No, he oh. didn't. No, he didn't mention the Gowanus. That's all my right. own analysis. Got it. You know, you read through the quarter, and it's like, you know, they're going through, and it's not so good. And then suddenly Jamie gets on. And Jamie just basically says, wow, man, we're so far behind. We're like, whoa. I mean, who knows? I mean, like, the cloud. And, and I'm like, Jamie, listen to me. Uh, have you spent? Are you, can I still find Bank One software? You can still buy Bank One software there. Remember, Jamie was. Meanwhile, all these banks had great years when it comes to the capital markets and investment banking. Goldman Sachs, by the way, I mean, 14.86 billion net revenues in banking for 2021. Okay. That's 58 percent higher than 2020, which, by the way, if I remember, wasn't that bad a year either. Uh, I mean, they've had a huge, and and the stock has reflected to a certain extent the. Uh, oh, the oh the beneficial trends in their business. Uh, there are many. ROE 23, uh, best since 07. Look, I, okay, back up. David's right to back up. I mean, Goldman made a ton of money. Uh, but then you put it through the prism of Jamie Dimon, and it's like, well, that's kind of, that's peaked. Uh, Goldman doesn't have mortgage business. They don't have auto business. Auto business cited JP Morgan. It's not so great. Right. Uh, Goldman, has, uh, they book value is uh, to, what, 287. But when, the one thing I look at Goldman is I say to myself, uh, what is it? Is it a credit card company? Well, because they have the Apple card. Is it Marcus, uh, which they said was doing quite well? 
Is it wealth management? I mean, look at Morgan Stanley, which my travel trust owns. I say, hey, Morgan Stanley, man, they got, an average, they got a wealth management business that's second to none. And they would argue that Schwab, which reported and didn't seem to have as when Schwab's been wet, wet hot, red hot, that, that Schwab doesn't have what they have. And I find I think Morgan Stanley's going to have a good number. Wells had a great number. Um, Schwab did miss. Uh, we're going to sell a little uh, whole, uh, wells for our charitable trust because this is the biggest position we ever have in say. I mean, how much money can Charlie Sharp make for one person? Sharp is a genius. He's a quiet genius. I think he's like the assassin cop in uh, mayor of, in, you know, in the high town. You know, the, I don't know. The, I really don't know. Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Know. Jeremy Renner. Oh, the Jeremy mayor. Renner. Oh, King's yeah. That's Paramount Plus yeah. show, I think. Yeah, he's yeah, like I an assassin. It. They call him assassin. Is oh, that, that's, that's Tatum. So he's not swimming in the Gowanus. Charlie Scharf. Charlie Scharf? No. I mean, he's hoping that he throws a... Jamie's hoping he throws a life raft to him. He's more at that... Um, there's some really chic restaurants right over the Gowanus. Now, it's kind of like Venice. I, I know of a couple that are nearby. <laughs> now it's like, like Venice. Venice. Well, I mean... Yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to swim in the water either. <laughs> yes, gondoliers in the Gowanus. <laughs> yes, that would be nice. Yeah. yeah, Charlie's the king of the gondoliers. <laughs> Uh, we are going to hear what uh, Morgan Stanley and B of A say tomorrow. In the meantime, coming up, Microsoft's uh, Spill, uh, Phil Spencer and Activision's Bobby Kotick on their company's mega deal. Take a look at futures. Bunch of interesting calls today on Under Armour, Airbnb, Jim mentioned Disney, Intel, downgrade of Gap. A lot more straight ahead. Don't go away. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Shehi a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. If you haven't heard, Microsoft buying Activision for $95 a share. Uh, don't miss an exclusive with Bobby Kotick and Phil Spencer shortly after the opening bell. In the meantime, uh, pre-market continues to be weak, not just from rising yields, uh, 10-year 183, but also Empire plunges 33 points month on month to minus 0.7. More Squawk on the Street when we come back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. 
Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel all right time to uh, get to a mad dash on a very busy monday morning for news kind of refreshing to get so much that we haven't even gotten to but let's get to a name that we've talked about a lot i want to do this because cnbc.com has an excellent piece today about how mckinsey's been hired at peloton they got They have to raise price, which obviously is not that advantageous. They have cost supply chain issues. At the same time, David, they got to cut jobs. And this stock's down 76% from its high. Uh, The question is, this is like like Zoom and a couple of those. Does it come back? Or does everyone who wants one has one? And I think that that's uh, when you get the treadmill, obviously, that may not be as strong as people thought. But I think this is emblematic of the other market, which is the market that got too inflated. Mm-hmm. Of which, uh, not just from, not just fr- from, Omicron and, and from COVID, stay at home, right? The, but because it just should never have been where it was, and that's what we're all struggling with. You, you know, I just saw some data dog numbers. Very good company. Uh, their uh, numbers lowered. Uh, you know, you're seeing uh, Atlassian raises price. You know, numbers lower. Yeah, over and over, you know, Zscaler. Well, maybe numbers should be lowered. So what you have in these price target numbers? Yep. Uh, what you have, David is the relentless shrinkage of price earnings moments. All right, well, what about some of the better-known you know, at-home names? Stay, uh, Zoom, for example, which you could make an argument have a much more sustainable plan than does a Peloton. Yeah, Zoom has so many. My, my stepson works for Zoom. Zoom has a lot going for it in terms of being able to have a lot of cash. But when that, you know, when that deal broke yeah, the down, five, nine nine, deal. Yeah. it really wasn't followed up by anything. That's a problem. Uh, DocuSign, I think, is doing well, but people are saying, wait a second, mortgages are slowing down. We saw that from the J.P. Morgan quarter. Uh, every one of the stay-at-home Williams-Sonoma, which people were using to, to build uh, at-home offices, uh, price cut, target cuts there. So there's just this kind of grim notion that if you did it for COVID, it, it has no tail. Yeah, well, it's interesting. We haven't even talked about Omicron. 24 minutes into the show. I thought it was a watch. Cases coming down sharply here in the New York area. Just saw those. Yeah, that's possible. Which is good. Uh, All right. We got an opening bell about five minutes from now. And that is going to be followed by Microsoft's Phil Spencer and Activision's Bobby Kotick. Yes, they are going to join us talking about this mega deal from this morning. And remember, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. We're back in just a minute. BlackRock CEO Larry Fink out with his annual letter this morning saying that stakeholder capitalism, as it's known, is not woke. Here's the explanation he gave to our Andrew Ross Sorkin. What I'm trying to say is, I mean, many people believe social values or environmental issues are, are political and woke. I don't believe that. And by the way, Andrew, um, we, we are connected with more and more asset owners than we've ever been before. I do write about that in this divergent world, your voice is being hijacked at times by the media, 
by, by the extreme elements of society today, but I believe more consistency in your voice, uh, a, a louder voice brings that connectivity to your stakeholders. Actually, in the letter as well, uh, makes the tie between the capital flow and the kind of net zero policies, David, that we're hearing out of the likes of Exxon today. Yeah, listen, he's a, a, the most important voice, you could argue, among in terms of shareholders overall, given their $10 trillion. By the way, we didn't make enough of that number, which they I hit know. last week. I know. $10 trillion in assets under management. That said, there are plenty of people who had trouble with Mr. Fink in terms of the power that they perhaps have. Sometimes I hear it when he puts a letter like this out saying certain things, not necessarily this one, should they file a 13D since they own basically 5% of every single company in the country, uh, you know, kiddingly, but seriously, should they actually file something because they're putting everybody on notice in certain ways. At the same time, don't forget, this is still a BlackRock itself is still investing along with, along with everybody else in things like, you know, uh, huge Saudi Aramco gas pipelines. $15.5 billion that they announced at the end of last year, I think it was. So, you know, they still do their share of energy investment as well. Yeah, I think that's important because I'm not saying they're two-faced at all, Carl. I am saying that there's a soft touch here. Yes, you should be caring about it. Yes, it's part of capitalism. But it doesn't take the next step, which is that you should divest. Uh, yeah, the divestiture is mentioned. But, Carl, he, he's not saying that. And if you want to know what gets this thing going, you just say, listen, we've had it. And if you don't make this move, if you don't do Exxon, you don't do price targets, then you know what? We're through with you. And he's not giving you that. Yeah. There's the opening bell, guys, in the CNBC Real-Time Exchange. At the big board today, it's biotherapeutics company Gelasis, celebrating a recent listing via SPAC. At the NASDAQ, it's America's blood centers, operating more than 600 blood collection sites. Speaking of the NASDAQ, um, Fourth downside gap of 1% plus, Jim, for the NDX in the last 50 trading days. They're really repealing a lot of what happened last year. Uh, I do think that it was seminal when the Fed made its move. And everyone just talks about, is it going to be four heights, five heights, six heights? As if, Carl, it wouldn't matter if we get Omicron blowing across the country, we get people returning to work, and we get supply chain going. Uh, it's just, you know, if I have to read once more that the Fed is behind the curve and, well, and Powell blew it, I mean, come on. Yep. It brings us to the downgrade of Gap today over at Morgan Stanley. Why? Because the latest uh, apparel import data shows that restocking is going on. They say things could get promotional again in Q1. They take Gap to underweight. Well, I think that when you think about Gap, you actually think about Kohl's. I think that these are undifferentiated companies. Uh, they don't really have anything that's proprietary. And you wonder how they can, I'm not saying, you know, these companies generate a lot of cash. Yes. I don't know how you excite people by generating a lot of cash. It's very interesting that Kohl's is down, even though John Duskin is selling. It's basically saying, do a big lease back, uh, get something going here. Uh, no one believes, I guess. I guess not, Jim. I mean, they've been there once before. They've tried. They're going to potentially Stand try still again. Ended. Stand still ended. Yeah. Uh, standstill has ended there, right, as you point out. And so the activist in question here has come back yet again. Um, guys, we, we spent a lot of time, as we should, and we will be more talking about this enormous almost $70 billion deal, Microsoft buying Activision. But I did want to talk about another $68.4 billion yeah. deal that most likely, Jim, is not going to happen, but it is very interesting. And here I'm talking about GlaxoSmithKline, which right. is planning to still still spin off its consumer health care unit. Um, even though it's gotten a bid from Unilever, 
that would value it at roughly 20 times trailing EBITDA. Now, that is before what may be significant synergies. And you can see what's happening to Unilever. This is interesting because Unilever shareholders are saying, are you crazy? Right. Thinking you're going to pay that number 20 times? Here's a Barclays note. Very few deals with a purchase price of more than 20 times EBITDA have created values as Barclays. We see the deal as being very complex to execute in normal times, let alone in the middle of a global pandemic. The concern might be that debt paydown becomes a bigger focus in stepping up its growth ambitions at Unilever. With management credibility already an issue, this deal will be hard to stomach, even giving the many positives that we also see. All right, Jimmy, you got that on one hand. So shareholders saying, whoa, you want to pay that much? And then you got Emma Wansley saying, no, thank you. No, we don't you. want this. We'd rather pursue a spinoff. Why? Yeah. Because they think that they can actually have this thing valued at even more than where yeah. Unilever's willing to pay. It's I was kind thinking, of a weird... Yeah, I, I debated it. I, I was thinking there's a word for uh, what Emma Wamsley is doing. Okay. So, insanity. <laughs> Carl, I mean, the chance to be able to raise money uh, ra- quickly rather than do a spinoff, I, I, I question the judgment here. I have been a backer of things that she's been doing. But it just makes no sense. I mean, maybe you negotiate, try to get a better price. But this was a deadweight loss that they're spinning off. I mean, who wants that stuff? Well, we found out that Unilever wants to get out of Ben and Jerry's. Well, great. I mean, I think Unilever's lost its way anyway. Ever since Paul Pullman left, I've not been impressed with what they've got cooking uh, versus a proctor. So interesting. I mean, there's no way for them to force this deal. This is, a, you know, UK takeover law. If it was its own public company, yeah. we would be talking about a very different set of circumstances. But here, if uh, Emma Walmsley says no and Glaxo's not inclined to sell, even though it would appear that they can get a potential value that is far in excess, some would say, of what it will, uh, what it will garner right. in the public markets, they're not going to sell. So there's a standstill, so, so to speak, right now. Unilever clearly still wants to try to figure out a way to get this thing. Don't you uh, think Elliot they, is an activist. Right. I'm surprised How much some Elliot won? that Elliot is not kind of coming out publicly and saying, are you crazy like waiting, you just did? Waiting for that. I, I do think that if, if you told Emma, look, I don't want to speak for Emma Wamsley, but if you told people at, at Glaxo that you, this was, you were capable of getting this much money, I think they would say, I, are you kidding me? No, one, no, no legitimate person going to come in and buy this. The second, the, now they would tell you the first tier brands, but the fact is, it's J&J's there spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I mean, the aisles in By the, the, way, in the drug store. Spending off its J&J's Who? plan is also to spend yeah, but they're off Yeah, but they're going to spend a fortune once they do that. That right. was kind of the point. Wow, down 465. Wow, we're on back, right back to 4,600, guys. Um, Jeez. The link between yields and financials uh, broke in today. Uh, Goldman down 8%. It's going to be the biggest drop for GS. Wow. Uh, in about a year and a half. Conceivable overreaction? Oh, I don't know. I mean, once they hate something, they really hate something. It is Coleman down 30. It's just not that bad a quarter. I mean, you got like six times earnings. David, let me see. You can go. Well, you've been pointing out for some time that, that you the, don't want to own no. those high-flying companies with multiples. Well, they're not even they're multiples to revenues because profits not. are scant, if any. You've been, right. you've been saying that for I've a number been, of weeks. I've been negative because I'm trying to figure out what they are. Are they now, you haven't been negative on everything, but you've been I have been on negative on everything. I'm a negative person. I mean, I had a good vacation a couple of days. Glad to hear that. Glad to hear I'm that. Thinking about that. Well, we did get an upgrade of uh, Zscaler today. Uh, yeah. Adam Morgan Stanley go to overweight. They say, look, high multiple names are in a tough spot, but still a signs of accelerating revenue growth, Jim. Uh, EPS upside. Uh, 479 times earnings. I mean, now Zscaler's, uh, I thought the Palo Alto upgrade, you know, that's the number one pick there is good. I like... Uh, cybersecurity just because it's not, it doesn't let up just because the market's going down. 
you know, when you saw the cybersecurity, we got to ask about cybersecurity in, vi- in these video games. I mean, you got people playing at home, they're playing the game, they're playing on their PC. I mean, you could just have a major hole. Someone could be like, you know, Call of Duty. I mean, Call of call of Cyber Duty. That's the way to, to get into households. By the sure way, is. on the tape this morning, uh, Microsoft saying they will make some games exclusive to Xbox, uh, but will continue to make some for PlayStation as well. Well, I, I continue to think that Xbox is a great asset. You gotta hear about more than 100 million. Uh, teams, gaming teams, David. Yep. You know, once you get over Omicron, people are going to go back. It's my GameStop theory. You know, they play games and they pay them in Ethereum. Uh, I have Gary Gensler on tomorrow. I don't know if he's really into that plan. Have you been listening to Gary? A little bit, yes. Chairman. Chairman. Yes, uh, SEC chairman. He, he's yeah. had it. Let's get more he's on. Uh, let's get more on the big deal of the morning. Yeah, uh, yeah it is. Uh, Microsoft announcing it is buying Activision Blizzard for nearly seventy billion dollars. Our Becky Quick this morning joins us with two special guests. Morning, Beck. Hey, good morning, Carl. It's good to see you. And guys, good to see all of you. We are talking about the big deal of the morning. This is a a deal of Microsoft announcing that it's going to be buying Activision Blizzard. Um, This deal uh, actually values the company, Activision, at about $80 billion. If you consider the cash they have on hand, that gets it back to about $68.7 billion. I'd like to welcome this morning Bobby Kotick and Phil Spencer. Um, Phil Spencer, obviously the head of gaming at Microsoft, Bobby Kotick, the uh, CEO of Activision. Gentlemen, welcome to both of you. And thank Thanks for being with us on this news of this big deal. Um, I know there are a lot of questions that people have, but I think first and foremost, it has to be, how did this deal come about? And Bobby, I'll start with you. Uh, This is a company where you've been the CEO for almost 31 years, started out with a company that you bought out of bankruptcy for $400,000, now looking at a valuation again. This deal values it at about $80 billion. Um, How did this happen? How did you get to this place? Well, look, the, we, we've had a partnership with Microsoft that goes back to the launch of the Xbox. We've had many conversations over the years about various forms of collaboration. And as we've started to see the real competition, and we're sort of at the beginnings of what the metaverse will be like. And in that race for the metaverse, it started to become apparent that there were a variety of resources and talent that we needed in order for us to be able to continue on that journey. And so. As Phil and I started to have those conversations, we realized that now is a perfect time for a combination. Phil, Phil, when did those conversations start and what kind of got you to the point that you're willing to commit this kind of money to a deal like this? Yeah, well, as as Bobby said, you know, we talk all the time about the future of this amazing business. Three billion gamers on the planet today, people playing in all regions, creators coming from everywhere. And we're always sharing our strategy with our partners and talking to them about their feedback. And I think we've always just had a good connection with the team at Activision Blizzard about where we're trying to go. Uh, but honestly, this is a deal that happened pretty quickly. Like I'd say we, we really had some formative discussions about this specific opportunity uh, late in the year. Uh, and we just felt like now was the right time to add the right resources and capability to both companies. Is, is now the time in part because Activision shares had been down? They were down about 27% for the year to date. Did that make this a, an easier deal to kind of get your head around? I think, as as Bobby said, when we look at the competitive set that's out there, we look at the importance to us at Microsoft Gaming of people playing on mobile. We look at the coming metaverse, the opportunities that we need with great IP. Uh, We really saw this as an amazing opportunity because gaming's continued growth over the years. Microsoft's big on gaming. We're continuing to invest here, and we see it as a real strong catalyst for us in the consumer categories. 
Bobby, there, there have been a series of reports in the Wall Street Journal that raise questions just about sexual harassment at the company um, and how it's been handled. The, that, those reports have kind of questioned whether you've really looked into some of these reports. What would you, what would you say to that? Well, of course, any issue of harassment or discrimination is something that I would take seriously and do. And like many companies today, we had some challenges, but we have worked through them. We are committed. I can tell you it's a focus of mine, and we continue to improve the culture with the expectation of being the very best, most inclusive workplace culture. Hey, Phil, just to follow up on that, um, this is something that you had kind of said at the time. You put out a, a memo internally saying that you were concerned about these reports. My guess is you guys have looked into this, and you feel good about this if you are going ahead with this deal. You know, culture is a journey for any workplace. It's something at Team Xbox we've been focused on for, for quite a long time. Obviously, going through the due diligence process, talking to the leadership team at Activision Blizzard about the plan they're already implementing. We look forward to supporting them in that plan through the closing of this deal. Uh, and then post-close, we know that the most important thing to a creative organization is that the employees feel safe, they feel heard, so they can do their best work. There's nothing that's more important to us. Right. Uh, first, Bobby, it's Jim. Congratulations on a great deal for you and shareholders. Thank you very much, you, Jim. Sure. Let me ask you a question about how many companies do you think are really in this business? Because a lot of people are saying big three, therefore going to be FTC issues. Uh, they're going to be concerned about concentration in gaming. At the same time, I, I've been saying that uh, there's a gazillion companies in this business. And the idea that there's some sort of protection that's needed for uh, gamers it seems a little silly. Uh, how many people do you think are in the universe that are doing what you do? Look, it's a great question, and I would say one of the motivations that we had for a partnership with Microsoft is the recognition of it's a, it's a big market, but there's enormous amount of competition, whether it's Tencent, who has resources that are extraordinary and a global footprint, or Sony, or Facebook, or Amazon, or Apple, or Google, or Netflix, or Disney. When you think about the race for the metaverse and for the more influence in gaming in the gaming ecosystem, we've now seen more competition than ever before. And then if you add to that all the tools that companies like Microsoft make available, like uh, a platform uh, like cloud, you now have user-generated content that's competing in this marketplace. So the competition has never been greater, and it's coming from all forms. Yeah, Phil, let me follow up on this. It's David Faber. Um, because even though it may appear, and as Bobby just indicated, that this is uh, pro-competitive or certainly not an anti-competitive deal, given the current regulatory environment, it's not uh, surprising to expect that it's going to get a very tough review. So what gives you the confidence that you'll get through that review? And what steps is Microsoft willing to go to to make sure that you get the approvals you need and are able to complete this deal in 2023? Yeah, I think Bobby hit it very well. This is an inc incredibly competitive marketplace in the gaming space. The truth is the largest gaming platforms on the planet are the mobile devices out there. Distribution on those contents, control on those devices, it's controlled by two companies. So you look at a company like Microsoft and we're bringing together content and intellectual property to offset the, the distribution capabilities we don't have on mobile devices. This is our opportunity to fight to compete on the largest platform out there in gaming, which is mobile devices. That's critically important to us. And also, as Bobby said, we have more creators on our platform than we've ever had. 
We have games coming from all. We have games coming from big publishers like EA and Activision and Take Two. But you also look at a lot of homegrown games from small teams that are able to reach global scale because of the distribution that they're finding on PC and gaming consoles. It's an incredibly vibrant space right now. Um, Bobby, you know, you, you talked briefly at the outset about how you got to this deal, but. Was it at all motivated by your desire or perhaps the internal problems that you were dealing with at the company, or did it have nothing to do with that? And secondarily, did you get a sense in the marketplace that there was anybody else there who might be willing, as unlikely as it seems, to pay even more than Microsoft? Well, to answer your first question, David, uh, you know, of course not. We, we've dealt, we're dealing with our issues uh, culturally and making great progress there. Our focus has been figuring out when you look at the library of franchises that we have and the talent that we need and the resources that we need, and you think about the resources that are going to be critical going forward, the cloud and really having a purpose-built cloud, having AI and machine learning capability, having user experience and user interface capability, data analytics, and then a really, really big pipeline of talent, we're going to need to hire thousands of people over the course of the next five years to realize the vision that we have. And what we really realized when we were thinking about partners is that Microsoft has this great long history, like we do, that goes back to the 1980s in video gaming. They have the incredible resources, an incredible pipeline of talent, a, a culture that is aligned like ours for a focus on creating a really great work experience. And so while there, were, there are a lot of other companies that would be interested in a company like ours, Microsoft was clearly the company that made the most sense. Hey, Phil, um, the stock price, just watching this right now, Activision shares at $85, which is kind of surprising. This is a cash deal, $95. The only thing you can guess is that people think there will be some regulatory back and forth. Um, you know, maybe it takes a little while to get past the regulators with some of these things. Um, Andrew Ross Sorkin had reported earlier that he was hearing that there was a $3 billion breakup fee. Is, is that the case? Because I would guess that means that, that you all think you have this under control. You know, we're confident in our timeline for getting the deal closed. We think it'll close in our fiscal year 23. Uh, we're planning for that. We're really looking forward to getting to work directly with the teams at Activision Blizzard. Uh, I think that's where all of our focus is right now, working with Bobby to ensure that over the next 18 months during the close, the business continues to perform, uh, that we're set up for that close, um, where we can work directly together on the future of gaming. Let's talk about uh, the things that you guys actually see. What, what promises you think there are from this? And, and Bobby, I'll start with you. We, we talk about the metaverse all the time, but I have to admit, I don't really understand it. I don't know what it means. Um, what do you need in order for your games to kind of translate into the metaverse? Well, if you think about really, not the Neil Stevenson snow crash vision of the metaverse, but the natural evolution of what the metaverse, as we believe it will be, is it's a collection of communities that are anchored by franchises that will start with gaming. So whether it's a Call of Duty or World of Warcraft or Candy Crush, those franchises that have hundreds of millions of players are going to be the, form the basis for what ultimately we think will be this large, vast virtual world that's usable on any display device with a microprocessor. In order to get there, though, and this is really a big part of the motivation of the transaction, is that you're going to have to have 
a cloud that is purpose-built for those kinds of experiences. And Jim pointed out a little earlier, cybersecurity is going to be much more important than ever before in the way that people are going to be able to interact with each other, but also to protect that personal information. And I think Microsoft has done a better job of almost any company than I know of in really building out that cybersecurity capability. But so when you think about examples of over the long term what that metaverse will look like, there are things that Microsoft has, like Teams, where you'll now actually be able to integrate the idea of audio and video while you're playing games and sharing your experiences. They have the beginnings of what will be an ultimately great creator economy like Minecraft, where you'll be able to create content that both can be commercialized or shared, and that will be all part of what will be this great virtual world connected by these franchises of games. Phil, let's follow up on that just a little bit. Um, in, in terms of what you get with Activision, I mean, I'm guessing part of it is the franchise games that they have. What, what do you kind of think is the most important part of this transaction and being able to build that out? No doubt in my mind, the most important thing is the teams. The team, the creative teams at Activision Blizzard and King that have created some of the world's most beloved gaming franchises uh, that's that's the whole future of this deal. Yes, there's an amazing set of IP that Bobby and the team have built and acquired over the years. Those are just great opportunity for us. But when we think about where this world goes, where gaming goes, where our opportunity is together, it's really about making sure those teams, as Bobby's been talking about, have the tools that they need to reach their creative vision, have the right culture in place to reach the creative vision, and frankly, have some context and technical capability that we can bring from Xbox and Microsoft to help them achieve that. Gaming has always gone through multiple transformations, um, and I think we'll continue to see that, Metaverse being another one that's upcoming. And I can't wait to get to work with those amazing teams when we think about where this future will go. The future will be written through the creator's lens and their eyes and their creativity and the great player engagement that's out there as we strive to reach the three billion people who are playing video games today. Phil, what do you think the biggest challenge is, um, not just through moving through as you wait for this deal, but beyond that? What are the things that you are kind of anticipating that, that could be hurdles and how do you overcome them? You know, the hurdle in the entertainment space to me is kind of always the same. It's uh, you have to reach the hearts of the players. We're not an activity that's about I must do something. Gaming is entertainment. Entertainment is about customer choice, player choice. We put the player at the center of every decision that we do, whether it's about our subscription offering, our cloud offering, having a diverse set of content. It's one of the things I love about this deal. We get to go work with the teams at King, and King has created some of the most amazing mobile franchises. It's not an area where we've had traditional strength at Xbox and Microsoft. Uh, so when I think about going forward and the opportunity to work with those teams, listen to those teams, talk about our vision, refine our platform, you know, I think that. that that's just going to be an incredible journey for all of us. Phil and Bobby, I want to thank you both for being with us today on a really big day with a really big deal. But we appreciate your time and we hope to see you both again soon. Thanks for having us back, Jim, David. Thank you yeah. guys very much. Thank you guys. All right. Thank our thanks to you as well, our Becky Quick. Jim, learn anything? Although what I learned is, is that uh, Microsoft is one of the most opportunistic companies in the world. And I just think that they're calm demeanor tells me, David, you may disagree, mm -hmm. that they have escaped this level of scrutiny. And that if you were, uh, if that were Mark Zuckerberg here, it would just be all defense. How can you do this? It's hard to imagine that Facebook could announce a deal like this. Really hard to imagine. Uh, or even, for that matter, Apple. 
You could no. make an argument, no, no, and certainly even Amazon. So yeah, Microsoft may be, or Alphabet, Microsoft may be one of the only mega megas yeah. to be in a position to, 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 to do a deal like this and get it done. Do you think that um, entertainment is just this broad category, so therefore they're going to skate? I mean, that's the way they're going to define it, right? Yeah. But it really depends on how the regulators see it. And, and again, it, even if it were to come to it, nothing says that they wouldn't prevail if they had to go to court to do it. 18 months is an awfully long time to allow for the deal to close. That's right. what they're doing. Cash By the way, I didn't get to ask Bobby, but the expectation is he stays on as CEO during this period, of course. But after close... Bobby Kotick no, is no longer no, Bob, part Bobby of the company. Said, yeah. yeah, Bobby said he had some other things to yeah. do. And I mean, I've known Bobby since he was like, I don't want to say he was a little boy. But, uh, you know, Bobby's really one of the great builders of this era. And I hope that Dakota is not the story in the journal today. But I totally understand we're in a new environment. And there will be a lot of people who say he knew, so therefore he had to sell. Yeah. I don't know. Well, All I know is, is that I've known him for a very long time. He built a great operation. Yeah. Well, even as we're talking about it, uh, Goldman's chief, uh, our CFO, optimistic on M&A because of levels of investable capital. Oh, there you and go. And corporate confidence. Good. Maybe Goldman, let me see how much is it down. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, that it's, turned it's it around. Certainly one of the, 31. you know, we've got a mega deal. There's no doubt about right. it. We're early in the year. There are those of us who <laughs> thought we might not see the, these kinds of deals given Goldman, any trust. Goldman down 30 makes no sense if there's a lot of mega deals. Uh, it is about half of the Dow's decline right now. So we're watching GS very closely as we've reached 4,600 on the S&P. I worked there already. I don't know. Before we go to break, let's take a look at how Treasuries are faring as well. Uh, yield's a big part of it. Two-year 102, 10-year 183, and energy the only sector in the green. We'll be right back. Jim, what's on Matt tonight? Smartest, smartest guy in the oil patch. Rusty Brazil. I'm going to go, are we going 100? And are there more mergers? I think there are going to be. And then gaming, Sports Entertainment Acquisition Corp. Uh, Eric Grubman used to be executive vice president of the NFL. Is the, is, he's the chairman of this company. We have to find out. Where does gaming ever bottom? I don't know. It's quite a weekend of football, though. Oh, well, uh, yes and no. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly right. We'll see you tonight, Jim. Bad Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.